With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe-Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lock-away channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pampers Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. I've been obsessed with Olga Meredith since I first watched her perform the role of Abuela Claudia in In the Heights on Broadway, and then again in the film adaptation. And I am so excited to watch her shine as Connie in Blockbuster on Netflix. What I did not realize, what I couldn't know, is that we're catching Olga at an inflection point, where as a workaholic who is arguably at the heights of her career, she's now wondering what it all means and where she goes from here. Olga, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so delighted to be here. I'm especially excited, Olga, because the last time you and I were together, we were in a room doing an interview for In the Heights, and I asked you a question. You gave me such a beautiful, profound answer that I remember being in that room and being like, no, 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 this is not right for cable. You and I need to sit down and have an entire conversation about this. Do you remember that exchange? I can't remember it, no. What was it? I asked you what preparing for the role of Abuela Claudia, a role you originated, what it had taught you about your own mother. And you actually have a really complicated relationship to your own mother, complicated enough for you to produce an entire documentary about. So I want to start there, which I know is kind of diving in at the deep end of the pool, but I feel like you and I can do that. Absolutely. Let's do it. Which is, you know, your mom, like a lot of moms, is complicated. Yes. Well, my mom and I were not very close, but I'm so glad that she lived so long. She died at almost 97 years old. So I was able to, I became close to her, basically her last years of life. We really bonded and it was really me putting myself in her shoes 
in the shoes of a woman that had left her homeland, left her friends, left her family, left everything with this family with three kids. And, you know, she had a PhD from the University of Havana, and she had to start from scratch. And so I, what I did is I developed compassion for my mother. You were five when you left Cuba, is that right? Right. Mm-hmm. So same age as my aunt Gacha, and it is a tender age because you're old enough to be developing memory, but you're not quite old enough to be keyed in on everything that's happening. How much did you understand at the age of five about that departure? Alicia, it was so traumatic for me that, you know, when something's very traumatic, you just kind of go, yes, and you just lose that memory. That whole leaving Cuba is like such a mishmash in my head. That's how traumatic it was for me. Imagine my mother. So it was important for me to start piecing it together for myself because it's part of who I am. And so that's why I did this documentary. And that's why I wrote this pilot, just to piece it together for myself to find out who I am. To add another element to your story where it is a little bit different from the story we're accustomed to, is that you are ultimately raised in Puerto Rico, which then adds a complicated cultural layer onto your identity. Well, yes. We escaped through the island of Jamaica. We told everybody we'd be right back. We were just going for a few days. Wink, wink. Of course, we were leaving for good. And then we found our way to Florida. And then my father found a job in, in Puerto Rico. And so we went back to Puerto Rico which was another trauma for me because I had just gotten used to Miami. And it was like, oh, okay, this is not bad. I like it here. I like this school. And then we're uprooted again. So that was really hard for me. I wanted to set that personal groundwork to then ask a question about your professional trajectory, which is that you got a mom who's double PhD, You grew up in a family that has sacrificed a lot just to get to a place of safety, of security, of freedom. And then you choose a life in the arts, which is never totally secure. And I I wonder if that is in any way a reaction to everything you have, have been through. Was the arts a point of resistance or was it something that there was support for? There was absolutely no support for, no. I was supposed to be, well, I was going to be like, a uh, international representative, United Nations. I was going to do something like that or, or of course, teach because my mother taught. And I, ha- I got my teaching degree and I started student teaching it and I hated it, absolutely hated it. You know, the kids, they didn't want to be there. It was like I was couldn't get control of the classroom and I was too nice or something and I didn't you know, whatever. It just didn't work. And so on the side, I was always singing and acting in some play, in some musical. I was always doing that on the side as a hobby. And then I did Man of La Mancha, I remember at Tulane Summer Lyric. And I was in New Orleans after college. And I did Aldanza in Man of La Mancha. And I said, you know what? I have to give myself a chance. This is, I need to figure out if this is what I wanted, if this is going to be my career. And so that propelled me to come to the Northeast, and it happened really, really fast for me. It was like 
boom, 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 boom. I did a play the first two weeks in New York. I hadn't even moved there completely. It was one of the leading roles in a musical off Broadway that was going to Broadway. And it just, that's it. I got an agent. Everybody was sending, I started doing voiceovers. It happened really quickly. So I, you know, that was my sign that I was in the right field. Nobody in my family was doing this, but my mother and her sisters were very talented singers. So they could have done this, but that generation, if you were a a singer or an actress, you were, you know, <laughs> equivalent to being a prostitute or something, you know, that generation. So they didn't understand it, but eventually they said, well, I guess she's going to be in this field. So, you know, we'll come see her in her plays. And, and that's what happened. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8, and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important, and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th. At 6.30 p.m., we're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. I want you to take me back to the first time you hear about you get pitched on In the Heights. Well, yeah. I, I mean, and Lin-Manuel Miranda knows the story. He always looks at me when I tell the story. I don't know if he likes it or he hates it, but he, I've told it so many times. Basically, they approached me and they sent me the demo and the music. And I I told my reps, I said, uh, I don't know about this musical. I, I, You know, it's a bunch of kids. They're rapping. It's a rap musical. On Broadway? What? I mean, come on. That's not going to go. <laughs> but I said, but it, you know what? It's got a lot of heart. Uh, okay, so I'll do this workshop, but I'm telling you, it's not. this is not going to go. And I do the movie. It's surreal. I can't believe I'm in the movie because, you know, usually theater actors don't get do their part in the film. And had I said no to, you know, to the workshop, 
who knows what I, where I'd be. Well, here's the thing I want to underline here, Olga, which is there's an initial resistance to doing the show because you're like, this is a bunch of kids rapping. This is never going to fly. But then there's also what I think is really interesting. I think there's something for all of us here, which is even if you're not an actor, which is they come to you and they say, we, we really want you to audition for Claudia. And you don't want to. You're happy in the role you're in. There's resistance on your part. You're sort of like, I'll do it to show you it's a terrible idea, but then you actually nail it. Yeah, they wanted me. I think it came from Kiara, the writer, Kiara Alegria, who who said, let's give Olga a try. Because they had auditioned so many older ladies everywhere. They in LA, New York, Miami. That song is kind of it's a very difficult song, technically, vocally, emotionally, breath-wise. It wasn't like today, you'd say. So they wanted me to audition for Abuela Claudia. And I said, I was insulted. Like I was thinking, oh, I don't want to play the old lady, you know. I'm very happy playing the mom. And then I was really afraid. I was afraid that I was not going to do it justice, that it wasn't going to be authentic and that it was maybe going to come out as a caricature, that I wasn't going to be able to do it. And I didn't want the responsibility. I was a little afraid. And then, but I really had to prepare this audition for everybody. And I think it was my background, this background as a Cuban refugee, exile, immigrant, whatever. And I gave it the depth I gave it the stories. I gave it the the women in my family. I gave it that, you know, coupled with a, with a powerful voice. And they, they said, that's it. We found our abuela. And I was happy, but I was like, really? I've always felt when I've heard you tell this story that part of the subtext of that story, you know, listen, I'm in television news. You're in entertainment. There is a real fear among women of getting older being sort of sent out to pasture once we get older. So no desire to speed that up, right? To be like, yes, let's have people think of me as a grandmother. Yeah, there is definitely that. And I had that. Now I have the opposite. (laughs) I think maybe because I played Abuela Claudia and I was out there for everybody to see me as old. I had prosthetics on my face. I didn't have any glam makeup on or anything. I had a white wig. Now I feel like I just want to be authentic. You know, you cannot beat aging. You just can't. I'm just giving myself, you know, I have this series blockbuster. I'm ready to <laughs> I'm ready to let everything hang out because it's just it's futile. We're all heading in that direction and how free. What a relief and a release to just accept yourself for who you are. I wonder what the commercial success of In the Heights, both as a stage production and as a film, layering onto that, the success of Encanto, which everyone recognizes you as Alma Madrigal, the doors it opened for you. And also working with two auteurs, right? Working with Lynn, working with Kiara, who really have called on so much of their own lives in their art, the way that has potentially changed your frame on your own career. I feel like now doors are opening for me, whereas before, I don't know if it's my age, could be my age. 
you know, and this business is very youth oriented. But now that I'm embracing who I am, I'm embracing my age, things are finally opening up for me. And I, I do have some better choices. The key is to do your own thing, your own work, to write your own story, kind of like what Kiara and Lynn have done. And that's what I'm hoping to do. It was hard in the business when I started out. I never, you know, I always tell people, yes, I am definitely Latina, but I never kind of, I always just said, I'm I'm an actress, I'm an American, I'm a human being that happens to be Latina. I didn't say, well, I'm going to, you know, let's see what Latina roles are, are available to me. I just was, I wanted to do everything, but not so much in the theater. In the theater, you do get offered a wide range of, of roles. In TV and film, I would get pigeonholed. And so that got very tiring, except for the law and orders. <laughs> the law and orders, you know, I got to be a judge. That whole franchise is very open to everyone. But it's so funny because things are finally opening up to me now. I wish that those doors opened for me 20 years ago when I had the time, the energy, the everything, you know. Now I'm I'm in a different place in my life in general. I'm thinking about more balance in my life. Can I do my own projects? But I am very, very happy that doors are opening for other Latinas. A lot of Latinas have their own production companies and they're getting fantastic roles. And so I'm happy. I'm happy for my sisters, finally. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. I also like that you and I are having this conversation about your thinking about taking a different path in your career when your career is in many ways at its apex. Yes, it is. I was reading this parenting thing, which I thought was really helpful, which is, you know, your kid comes to you and they've had a bad day at their sport or ballet rehearsal and they say, I want to quit. And you say, you can quit, but if you're going to quit, you have to quit on a good day. You can't quit on a hard day, right? Things are going to get hard. And that's not when we make our decisions. We make our decisions on the best days. And so in some ways, I feel like there's a parallel here, which is if you're going to choose to walk away, you don't do it when there are no jobs, when it's all dried up, when nobody wants to employ you. It's like, no, everybody wants you right now. You're working on one of the most commercial projects you've ever worked on. You can now come to that decision to make a pivot from a place of power. That's right. That's right. I am working a lot, but I've always worked a lot. But it, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> My career is in a different place now, for sure. And I am picking and choosing. But I'm coming from a very Cuban workaholic. I'm searching for my place in my life, 
not just in my career, but in my life, where I never really asked that question before. I was always about the work. I'm always kind of level-headed and just, I know anything can happen in this business. I've done a million pilots that never got made. Right. It can't go to your head too much. You have to stay grounded. That's how I feel. What I struggle with is the space between what you just said, which I identify with and believe, and then also like, will I ever enjoy the things I have while I have them, right? Finding the space to be able to honor. This is the thing I fought for. And this thing happened and people are here to fed me. And in the back of my mind always, I'm like, don't get too comfortable. This could all go away at a moment's notice. Yeah, well, I definitely have that. But I also have survivor's guilt from just being Cuban. I can't shake that. It's, it's, it's hard for me to enjoy, you know, what I have because it feels like those poor people back home, they're just suffering. I have family there that I'm still trying to get out. Me with all this career and all, I'm still, I'm doing paperwork to get people out of Cuba still. Can you believe it? That would give me such satisfaction to be able to accomplish that. It's not easy and it's almost impossible, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Olga, I feel like I have known you my entire life. You are so familiar to me. Let's talk about the new big show that you were doing, Blockbuster on Netflix. Thank God for Blockbuster and comedy. That's all I have to say. We need comedy. We need comedy. And I love the idea of comedy that celebrates the working class and is actually a window into working class life because I feel like that is missing in media. And I wonder what you have learned about yourself, you know, being part of a big TV show. It's a different cadence than what you're used to. Well, television is very fast. The faster, the better. And comedy is hard. But I feel like the saying of that comedy comes from pain, and I have plenty of that. So I can be really funny. This is right up my alley. It's hard work, but I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think people are going to love it. We need it. We need it with this world that we're living in, everything that's happening. It's just going to make you forget your troubles. And, you know, my mom had just passed away talking about, you know, we talked about her earlier. And so it was exactly what I needed to forget about the grieving that I was doing. And there's three Latinos in the show, Melissa Fumero, Tyler Alvarez, and myself. And it's great being part of a team. You depend on each other. It's very close. It's very much like a family. Olga, thank you so much for doing this. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Anytime, Alicia. Thanks for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Paulina Velasco is our producer. Florence Burrow Adams mixed this episode. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or tweet us at Latina to Latina. Check out our merchandise at latinatolatina.com slash shop. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, or wherever you're listening right now. Music. 
a little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. 